The Bible is separated into the Old and New Testaments. We read accounts of diverse people in various times. We find poetry, historical texts, and personal letters, but all of it points to Jesus. You search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life, but the scriptures point to me. Procrastination is a fine art. It's interesting how and why different people procrastinate. Like, I, I love studying the personality types. You know, we all have different personalities. If you study personality types, uh, Florence Littire, she, she made famous the sanguine melancholy, the uh, you know, choleric and the phlegmatic. If you study those personality types, sanguine people, here's how they typically procrastinate. They typically procrastinate because something distracts them and, and it appears to be more fun. I mean, like squirrel, you know what I'm talking about right there. That's right, right. Melancholy people, they're different. They're perfectionists. They procrastinate because they feel like they cannot achieve perfection on whatever project it is. And so they keep putting it off and putting it off. If you're a phlegmatic person, uh, you, people, those kind of people are super laid back. And so they procrastinate sometimes because they're just maybe a little lazy and they don't want to exert the energy to actually do whatever the project is. Now, choleric people, those are, those are your bossy folks, all right? They typically procrastinate because they don't feel in control of the situation, and so they want to give up. So procrastination is a fine art. People of all different personality types deal with it from time to time. It doesn't matter what you have, what kind of personality you have. We can all wait until the last minute to get a project done. Come on, how many of you waited until Tuesday to turn in your taxes this week? Okay, come on, somebody. How many of you actually waited and filed an extension because you didn't want to do it by Tuesday of this week? All right, come on. Am I talking to anybody in this room? Can I get an amen? Come on, somebody. When I was in college working on my bachelor's degree, it seemed every research paper was due on the same day. Now, we had a syllabus at the beginning of the semester, and they typically would tell you when a paper or when a project was due. But for a certified professional procrastinator like myself, it didn't matter. We would wait until the very last minute. For three semesters, I lived in the evangelist quarters that were turned into intern housing at the church where I served. And there was many as seven guys uh, that were living there at the same time. Now I can still remember the smell of the coffee that was uh, coming from the coffee pot there in the office complex at 2 a.m. in the morning as the, as all the interns that were living there were in different offices, working on different computers all writing research papers as we waited until the very last minute. See, I love a good deadline. In fact, I feel I do some of my best work with the pressure of a deadline. We've all had moments where we needed something for a presentation or an assignment or a project, and it arrived at the last possible minute. Parents, how many of you have dealt with this? 9 p.m., and your kid says, I need a poster board from Walmart. Can you go to Walmart and buy me a poster board at 9 p.m.? Well, how long have you known that this project was due? Well, I mean, you know, it's two, two three weeks. When's it due? Tomorrow at 8 a.m. 
Am I the only one? No, I mean, yes, we've all dealt with that. When, when you are waiting for somebody else to do something, it can be stressful. When waiting for somebody else that you're working on a project with and, 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 and you're, you've got your stuff done, but they don't have theirs done, it can be stressful. But when you're waiting on God to show up, it can be really stressful. Because you need a miracle. You need God to do something and to show up at the scene of your life. I want you to know this morning that God is not a procrastinator. We may put our human characteristics on him, but he's never early. He's never late. He's right on time at the scene of your life. So today we're continuing our series at the scene. We're looking at these moments in the Old Testament where, where Jesus the scholars believe that Jesus showed up at the scene. These moments are referred to as Christophanies, uh, where, where Christ appears in the Old Testament. And we know that a lot of times they, they believe that this is the case because we'll see the Lord with Lord L cap, capitalized, or we'll see the angel of the Lord. So when you're reading the scriptures, you can look at that and you can say, okay, well, this is where we believe or where scholars believe that there's a Christophany. And so today's story, what we find is Abraham. Abraham. He's taken his son Isaac to the mountain at the instruction of God, and he was to bind him up and offer him as a sacrifice. And it was God's way of testing Abraham's faith. So Abraham does exactly what God wants him to do. He raises the knife. He's about to sacrifice his son. And that's exactly where we start the passage of Scripture today. Look with me in Genesis 22, verse 11. If you want to follow along in your notes, you can do that. If you picked up a bulletin this morning at the back table or if you're watching online or in the house and didn't get a bulletin, you can actually uh, go to connectedhope.com and click on the Bible app. Scroll down just a little ways and you'll be able to follow along with us this morning. Reading from the New Living Translation says, At that moment... Moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied, here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way, for now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. Then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by its horns in a thicket. So he, so he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. Abraham named the place Yahweh Yireh, which means the Lord will provide. To this day, people still use that name as a proverb. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Then the angel of the Lord called again to Abraham from heaven. This is what the Lord says, because you have obeyed me and have not withheld even your son, your only son. I swear by my own name that I will certainly bless you. I will multiply your descendants beyond number. Like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore, your descendants will conquer the cities of their enemies. And through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed, all because you have obeyed me. God showed up at the right time. He provides the sacrifice that was needed and, and a ram took Isaac's place on the altar and Abraham discovered a new name, uh, either Yahweh Yireh or maybe you've, you commonly have heard it referred to as Jehovah Jireh, which means that the Lord will provide. That name for God shows, shows Jesus' purpose at the scene for Abraham. His purpose was to stop the sacrifice of Isaac 
but to also provide. It shows his nature, his name. He's the God who provides. God provides for us as well. Warren Wiersbe in his commentary on this verse actually posed five different questions about God's provision. And I loved it so much. I wanted to use it as a framework today for, for our, our conversation, our, our thoughts together. And the first one is this, is where does the Lord provide our needs? Write that down. Where does the Lord find, provide our needs? And, and the answer to that is in the place of our assignment. In the place of our assignment, Abraham was at the right place so God could meet his needs. Genesis chapter 22, verse 2, if we back up in this, in, in, this, in this chapter, we see that he said, God said, take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. Now we fast forward to verse 11 through 18. And what do we see? we see that God, Abraham was in the exact place where God told him to be. He was in the exact place. God says, I want you to go up to the mountain. I want you, I want you to go to the land of Moriah. I want you to go up to the mountain and I want, I want you to sacrifice your son there. So he's right where he's supposed to be. He's doing his assignment. He's, he's doing exactly what God has spoke to him. We have no right, church, to expect the provision of God if we're not in the will of God. Let that sink in for a moment. People say, well, God's not providing for me. Are you in the will of God? Well, no. Then why do you expect God to provide for you? We have no right to expect the provision of God if we're not in the will of God. Jesus taught his disciples to pray this in Matthew chapter 6. He, he, he taught them verse 10. It says, may your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We, need, we don't need heaven to align with us. We need to align with heaven. We don't, need to, we don't need heaven to come down and align with us. God, here's my plan. This is what I want to do in my life. Now, I pray that you bless it. No, we get it wrong. We need to flip that. God, what do you want to do? What's heaven want me to do? God, what do you, where, where do you want me to go? What do you want me to say? Let me get in alignment with you because I know when I'm in line with you, you're going to bless. God wants us to be in his will. James chapter 4, 13 says, look here, you who say today or tomorrow, we're going to go to a certain town and we're going to stay there for a year. We will do business there and we're going to make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while, then it's gone. What you ought to say is if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. If it's God's will, if this is what God has for us today, this is what I think he's saying, this is where I think he wants me to go, but God, if you change your mind, or maybe I come into clarity what your mind really is, because I don't think God's a God that changes his mind. So God, if I just come into clarity and all of a sudden you speak to me and you say, I want you to stop what you're doing and I want you to move right here, I'm going to do it because that's what your will is. For us to be at the, at the right place, we can't act independently of God. If we live by the principle, if the Lord wants us to, then we can trust that we are in the right place to receive his provision. Number two, when does God meet our needs? When does God meet our needs? This is simple, when we have the need. If there's no need, then we don't need God to provide. Think about that. If we don't have a need, then we don't need God to provide. Just when we have the need and not a minute before is when God usually shows up on the scene. 
Look at verse 11. I love this. He says, at that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied, here I am. Now think about this. He's standing over his son. He's got a knife in his hand. He's raising it to kill him because that's what he heard from the Lord. That's what the Lord gave him the instruction. And, and, and God was testing him, okay? So like this, I know this is one of those passages of scripture sometimes that you look at and go, really, God? But God was testing Abraham. He wanted to know that he could trust him to do whatever he said so that he could make him the father of many nations. And so here he is. He's got Isaac, his, his son of the promise, that is on the altar, and, and he's got the knife raised, and God at that moment shows up at the scene. Abraham had a need. He needed God to show up. He's about to come down. He's about to sacrifice his one and only son. And he, he, is, about to, he is about to take that, that very next step, that very next swing. And it's at that moment that God shows up. See, if we don't have a need, we don't need the provision. If we aren't broke, we don't need a financial miracle. If we're not sick, we don't need healing. It's in the moments of our need. Here, here's what I love about Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. I want you to look at it. It says, let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when? When we need it most. When we need it, when we actually need God to show up, when we, when we bring our requests to the throne of grace, God answers with mercy and grace when we need it most. Sometimes it looks like God waits until the last minute to send help, but that's only from our human point of view. God is never late. God is never late. Like we're looking at it from our human point of view and going, God, when are you going to show up? Like we're here, we've got a need. When are you going to show up? When are you going to show up? I don't know. When he's going to show up, I'm trusting him to show up when I need it. At the right moment, Philippians 4.19, I stand on this promise. It says, and this same God who takes care of me will supply all your what? Needs from his glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Number three. Are you with me? Say amen. amen. So how does God provide for us? Sometimes it's in ways that are quite natural. I don't know about you, but sometimes I look, you want the supernatural, like the thing to happen, and all of a sudden, you know, I mean, you see that where, uh, you know, uh, he, Jesus sends Peter out to go fishing, and he, he, you know, to pay for their taxes, and he goes and catches the fish and opens it up, and there's money in there for taxes and stuff like that. I, you know, I've been fishing a few times in my life, and I've never caught a fish that had money in it. I guess I didn't have a need. But God sometimes just shows up in, in very normal ways. This is in verse 13. Then Abraham looks up and he sees a ram caught by its horns in a thicket. So he took the ram, he sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. God didn't just send the angel to walk up with a, a sacrifice with a ram in his, in his hands and says, here you go, Abraham, this is right. It, it's just there. His horns are caught right there in the, in the thicket. He just simply allows this to happen right at the time when Abraham needed it and a place where Abraham could get his hands on it. So what are some natural ways that God provides for us? We just spoke the blessing over you and your family, over you. What, what do we speak? Raises and bonuses as needed. How many of you have ever had a raise come at the right time? 
Like all of a sudden, the, uh, the, you know, I mean, we're experiencing that right now. I, I hear people all the time talking, well, my insurance went up. You know, it's time to renew. My insurance went up. My, my electric bill, you know, some of you have been doing that. You know, the electric bill, it's time to renew that, or, you know, after so ever so often, and it, it, it jumped up. All of this happens, and, and you're thinking, how am I going to, I'm, I'm baking it paycheck to paycheck already. How am I going to do it? God just shows up with a raise or a bonus. How about a new job with better pay? How about an unexpected check in the mail? Everybody, everybody anyone ever got that? How about a refund for overpayment? You ever got one of those in the mail before, and you're like, wow, I like that. You know what one of my favorite ones is? Is the good old-fashioned Pentecostal handshake. You know what that is? That's no, somebody, got, somebody got a 20? Anybody got a 20 up here? You got any cash? You got a, yeah, come on up here. Come on here. I want to show you what a Pentecostal handshake is. All right? This is exactly what a Pentecostal is. It's when, come on up here. Come all the way up here. It's when somebody right here slips a hand and says, thank you, brother. All right, you may be seated. Thank you, guys. 100, 200, 300, 400, 500. Man, I said a 20. These are all ones. Here, take this sorry money back. <laughs> I can't even go to McDonald's for that. Come on, man. Brother got to eat, you know. Uh, but I love that. When somebody, when, when somebody feels led of the Lord and they just come up to you and they say, Pastor, here, here, here or I want, I want you to take your family, or maybe, maybe you're not the, even the pastor. I mean, that happens to me sometimes because people say, Pastor, here's the thing. But maybe just somebody comes up here and says, Hey, listen, I want to bless you. God spoke to me and I want to give this to you. And, and they slip it in there and you can feel that cash and you're like, Whoa, you're a little startled, startled about it all of a sudden. But it shows what I love about this one is it shows the obedience of the giver and the blessing for the receiver. So don't ever, don't ever, if God speaks something to you, don't ever say, you know what, I shouldn't do this. I should, I should go ahead. I mean, it's not, the, the enemy's not trying to tell you to bless somebody, okay? So listen to the voice of God. See, here's what happens. God uses normal, everyday people to provide. Abraham looked up, and what does he do? He sees this ram that's caught in the bush. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 10 says, For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer, and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. So two good things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. See, God's the one who provides seed for you. God's the one. Listen, I, 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 want you to, I, want, I want you to get something this morning. It's God who provides. God, he's Jehovah God, Jireh, the God who provides. So number four, who does God give his provision to? Look at, look at this. Those who trust him and obey his instructions. Verse 15, it says, Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven. It says, This is what the Lord says. Because I really like you, no, he says, because you have obeyed me and you have not withheld even your son, your only son. I swear by my own name that I will certainly bless you. 
I, will, I swear by my own name, Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides, I will certainly bless you. I will multiply your descendants beyond number. Like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore, your descendants will conquer the cities of their enemy. And through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. All because you have obeyed me. See, Abraham was in the right place because he trusted and he obeyed God. It's a life of obedience. See, when we're in the will of God, we have the right to expect the provision of God, right? We said that earlier. There's some phrases that I've learned throughout life about provision. You probably heard me say a few of them at times of time. If God guides, what does he do? He provides. It's a little cliche, but it's okay, right? If God guides, he provides. I had one guy tell me one time, he said, Pastor, if it's God's deal, it's God's bill. Like, I kind of like that East Texas wisdom right there. Those two put the focus really on God's responsibility. However, I, I, I came across this other one, this other phrase that I've learned about provision of God. It says this, when God's work is done in God's way, it will not lack God's support. When God's work is done God's way, it will not lack God's support. So what do we have to do? We have to trust and obey. We have to trust him and obey. God is not obligated to bless my ideas or my projects. I love what Mark Batterson says. He says, one God idea is better than a thousand good ideas. One God idea is better than a thousand. In fact, I think Mark's probably shot a little low on that because I think one God idea is better than a million good ideas. See, when we walk in obedience, when we trust him, he's going to support what we, what, his work because it's his work. It's not ours. It's his way. When we do it his way, his work, his way. I love Psalm 33, verse 18 says, but the Lord watches over those who do what? Fear him. One translation says, those who trust and obey him. Those who rely on his unfailing love. He rescues them from death and keeps them alive in the time of famine. We put our hope in the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In him our hearts rejoice for we trust in his holy name. Let your unfailing love surround us, Lord, for our hope is in you alone. So many people put their hope for provision in other places. So many people put their hope for provision in other places. Listen, your hope needs to be in God. Amen. You need to trust and obey. Number five. So why does God provide our need? It's for the glory of his name. It's for him to receive the glory. Verse 14, Abraham named the place Yahweh Yara, which means the Lord will provide. And to this day, people still use that name as a proverb on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. Now think about that. He named the place Jehovah Jireh. He named the place, this is where God provides. This is where God provides. Have you ever had like a need that was met? And, and, and we're, you know, a lot of times when we're talking about provision, we're talking about financial. But man, maybe you just needed healing in your life. Maybe you needed, you needed something else, some, something to happen, something to shift in, in, in your favor. And you can go back to that very place and say, man, at this bank, God provided. 
At this workplace, God provided. At this restaurant, God provided. When I was a young youth pastor and um, Sasha and I were, were it's kind of early 2000s and um, we were in between and um, I was looking for a new place to go and man, I, I, we met with this pastor and um, he offered us a job and I'd been praying for weeks and I'd been praying for a certain amount. Like I, I was like, man, God, I just, if, if I get this amount of money, like if somebody would just offer me this, like that's, that's what I need. That's what I, what I want. God, that's my need. So here we are, we're meeting with this pastor and we're in one of the best Mexican food places in all of East Texas, Mercados in Tyler. If you ever eat Mercados, mm, real nice. And uh, we're sitting there eating Mexican food and he looks across the table, he offers me the job and he says, and you're gonna make, this is how much your salary will be. And when he said the number, it was the exact number that I had been praying for and I began to cry. He thought I was crying because it wasn't enough, but I was crying it because it was exactly what God wanted. God, what had been on my heart for weeks. I trust and obey. Now let me back up. I didn't even wanna call that pastor. I wasn't interested in going to the town where he was at. I, I wasn't interested in, 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 uh, in being a part of that. Our district youth director had to tell me a couple of times, you Rusty, I really think you need to send a, a resume to that church and I think you need to go and talk to that pastor. I'm like, man, I don't, I don't, I didn't know him. I just, it was a small town. I wasn't, I wasn't interested. Well, I'm gonna tell you that pastor was very instrumental in not only uh, me having an incredible four years, but he was also very instrumental in getting me here to be your pastor. It all goes back to being, trusting God and being obedient. When I stopped and quit looking at things in the natural and I began to look at what God wanted me to do, I walked in obedience. I'm gonna tell you, it was a struggle because I didn't, I'd heard, you know, small town, I didn't want I didn't, politics, all that kind of stuff. I wasn't interested in it at the time. But when you walk in obedience, God can take and do a lot of things in your life and he can bless you in ways that you can't even fathom. And I'm telling you, when that's one of those testimonies I can go back and say right here in this booth, right here at Mercado's eating some chips and salsa, right here eating some fajitas. Come on, somebody, I'm making you hungry right now. But I want you to understand, on the mountain of the Lord, on the Mercado's of the Lord, he provided. And I'll never forget that because it, it was a moment in, my, in, in time. And listen, all of you have got places like that where God has blessed you and you can point back to that time and that season. And so why does God do it? It wasn't so that I could get the credit, so that that pastor could get the credit. No, it's so that God gets the credit. Because he had no idea. He had no, in fact, he thought he wasn't paying me enough. Uh, you know, he thought it was not. And I was like, no, this is exactly what God is. I mean, I'm just, I'm inside. I'm just like that. See, here's what happens. On the mountain of the Lord, it provided. Who got the glory? God. Earlier in this message, we referenced the Lord's prayer. May his kingdom come, may his will be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? But I want us to back up to verse nine. This is how he starts the prayer. He says, this is how you should pray. Our father in heaven, what? Hallowed be your name. It's the first petition in the Lord's prayer. And I want you to understand something. It governs all the other prayers. 
God's name gets the glory. God gets the honor. Everything else, listen, we can talk about his will being done. It's for the glory of God, his will is done. For the glory of God, his kingdom has come. For the glory of God that he provides our daily bread. Listen, for the glory of God, these things happen in our life. And so God receives the glory. So God receives the honor. So God receives the credit. God was glorified on Mount Moriah because Abraham and Isaac did the will of the Lord and they glorified him. Abraham named the place. He said, listen, this is the place. I'm calling it Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides. That's what I'm naming this place because it's so significant that he gets the glory. Maybe we need to make a shift in our thinking. We don't work for Saputo. We work for the Lord who will provide. We don't work for whatever school district you work for. We work for the Lord will provide. We don't receive money from an inheritance from our family member, from a friend. We receive money from the Lord who provides, who uses those folks as a conduit for the blessings of God in our life. God receives the glory. God receives the praise. Hallowed be his name. In Revelation chapter 4, we see the 24 elders worshiping God. And this was the song they sang, Revelation 4.11. You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things and will be, and be your will. They were created and have their being. It was early 2014, and, and uh, we were, we'd been having some issues with Sasha's car. And one thing about my wife is, is that uh, you, you, she, she doesn't like to trade vehicles. Like, she will take a car, and she will drive it. And she's had three cars since she was uh, 16 years old, and she's dri driven them all about uh, 10 years, okay? And so she, she's, uh, like, she's coming due soon, probably, here, but, but she's keeping driving. So 2014... Um, we were there and we were having some issues with her, her car at the time. And I remember walking out of, of our house into our garage one, one day. And man, I was just frustrated with her vehicle. I was like, man, we, God, we need a new vehicle. But I, I knew I didn't have the money. I knew I didn't have money for a down payment. And here's what I did. I walked out and I said, God, I don't know how you're going to do it. And I laid hands on the car. I said, God, I don't know how you're going to do it. But I'm praying for a down payment for this car. Just that, like that. Within a week, I'm telling you, within a week, we had the money for a down payment in the car. Now listen, some people want to say, well, well, that person gave you money or this person did that. No, it was the Lord who provided. Because I go back to that prayer of simply make, making a, putting my hand, laying hands on her vehicle and say, God, would you, would you, would you bless so that I can, I can provide a better car, a more safe car, a more reliable car for my wife. Listen, God receives the glory. God receives the honor. Revelation, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they were created and have their being. Abraham, he walked in trust and obedience. He was in the right place at the right time by submitting to the will of God. And God provides a ram for his, the sacrifice. It's God who receives the glory and honor. Think about the last time God provided something for you. How did he do it? Why did he do it? Was it because you had a need? What was your response? Luke 17 talks about the 10 lepers. And Jesus, 
heals him and he, he, he says, listen, I want you to go show yourself to the priests. And as they, they went away, they discovered, man, God, I, I'm healed. I'm healed. Look what happens next in verse 15. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, praise God. He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. And this man was a Samaritan. And Jesus asked him, didn't I heal 10 men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? Now, Jesus is there at the scene to provide what you need. Whatever you need, nothing is too hard for God. Nothing's too hard for God. Remember, we, we talked about that last week. Nothing is too hard for God. When he shows up on the scene and he provides, what should our response be? Praise and glory and honor to the Father. Thank you, Jesus, for providing. Thank you, Jesus, for the miracle in our life. Listen, guys, I want you to understand something. We block the blessings of God when we don't return praise. We block the blessings of God. And some of you, there's a difference. This is not my notes. This is free this morning, okay? There's a difference between greed and generosity. Greed is this. I've got to hold on. I've got to hold it. I, I, I want, I want, I want. Generosity is... I give, I give, I give. I had, friend, I, had, I had coffee a couple of weeks ago with a missionary friend. He's been raising funds, raising support. But he heard about a project and God's touched his heart. And so he took the allowable amount that he was able to from the money that he had been raising and gave it to another missions project for them to use and now has had to go back out raising even more money. That same missionary friend posted this week that he's almost 100% funded. You say, Pastor, that, that's crazy. This is a guy who has to raise his fund and go out. Now he's giving it away. Listen to me, church. We block the blessings of God when we operate in greed instead of generosity. Now, don't worry this morning. I'm not taking an offering. I'm not receiving another offering today. So I'm, I'm, I'm letting you off the hook. I'm trying to teach this principle today. When we give, we can't outgive God. We've seen it time and time again as a church. Time and time again. A couple of weeks ago, we wrote a $2,500 check to give to Dallas Metro so that they could build a building, to help them build a building. Pastor, we're trying to build a building. What are you doing? Being generous. Why? Because you can't outgive God. You know what? We may never get that $2,500 back. And guess what? I'm okay because we were doing it because we were in obedience. I came in into our board meeting and I said, this is what I sense the Lord telling me to do. And one of the board members, I can't remember who, I think it was one of our ladies said, you know, when you were talking, the, the number like 2,500 came uh, into my mind. And then I said that and it was like confirmation. This is what God's saying to us. Church, you can't out give God, but we can block the blessing 
when we operate in greed. I'm not gonna operate in a scarcity mentality. Every week I get asked this question, when are you gonna start building? I said, when the Lord provides. I'm not in a rush, I'm not in a hurry. Like, I mean, part of me is, yeah, I'm ready for it to happen. But when it happens, it happens. But here's the reality of this is I'm just sitting here saying, God, when you provide, we're gonna move. And until, until you do, we're gonna keep praying, we're gonna keep believing, we're gonna keep circling. Matthew 7, 7, ask and it will be given to you, seek and ye shall find, knock and the door will be open unto you. We're gonna keep doing those things, we're gonna keep believing, we're gonna keep, but we're not going to operate in a scarcity mentality as a church. And I'm not gonna operate as a scarcity mentality in my own personal finances either. Because you know why? The Lord will provide. The Lord will provide. Will you stand with me this morning? Father, thank you for your word. It's a lamp to our feet. It's a light to our path. God, I ask today that you would open up our hearts and our minds. God, you care about the details of our life. That's what your word says. It says that you delight in every detail of our life. You delight in that. You take notice of it, God. You understand what we're going through. And Lord, there's people in this room right now that need healing. There's people in this room right now that need forgiveness. There's people in this room right now that need a relationship restored. There's people right now in this room that need a miracle. God, that we can't even fathom what they need right now. There's those in this room right now, they just need a simple raise, God. They just need a little bit of a bonus at work to get them through. They need, Lord, a miracle. They need a miracle, an unexpected miracle. They need the tax code to work in their favor. They need something to happen, God. Instead of their insurance going up, they need their insurance to go down. God, whatever it is today, there's somebody in this room today that needs a miracle. We walk in obedience, Father. We walk in obedience and we trust you. Your head's bowed, nice close today. Maybe you're in this room and you say, Pastor, I don't know Jesus. When you're talking about him showing up at the scene of my life, I, I can't expect that because I'm not walking with him. I'm not trusting him. I'm not obeying him. The scripture teaches us that we've all sinned and messed up and fallen short of the glory of God. Every single one of us. It tells us that the wages of that sin is death. That's eternity in hell. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. The scripture teaches us that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead, we'll be saved. So if you're in this room this morning and you say, Pastor, that's me. I need to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. When I count to three this morning, I want you to raise your hand. If you're watching online today, I want you to, to put in the comments section or send us an email at prayer at hopefamily.tv and, and let us pray with you today. But if that's you today and say, Pastor, I need to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. When I say three, I want you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Anybody in this room today? Anybody in this room today that would say that? Then I'm gonna ask everybody to pray this prayer with me today. Those of you that are watching online, we want you to pray this as well. Would you say, dear Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died, rose again, and you're the Lord of all. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for setting me free. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, we're gonna pray for needs. I'm gonna invite you up here in just a moment. But some of you have a tremendous need. 
You say, Pastor, I, I just need an extra 50 bucks a month to, you know, it's, it's cutting it close. I just need an extra $50 a month. That's not tremendous. Listen, if it's a need, it's tremendous. Sometimes that $10 or that $5 or that $20, some of you in here need provision. It's bigger than that. And some of you in here need healing. You need emotional healing. You need physical healing. Some of you got a need today and you just like, I need God to provide for me in a different way. I don't need it monetarily. I need a relationship restored. I need, I need, I need something that, that has, has, has gone awry in my life to be righted. I need provision. I need God to meet my need. Scripture, Hebrews 4, we can come boldly before the throne of grace and there we'll receive grace and mercy when we need it most. If you're online today, would you put a comment in the section or email Pastor Ben at prayer at hopefamily.tv and he'll be praying for you guys. If you're in this room this morning, I'm gonna just real quick with your heads bowed and eyes closed, just say, Pastor, that's me. I've got a need in my life. I need, I need God to work out my situation. I need him to provide for me today, whatever it is. I, I, I want to I want, I agree with you in prayer today. If that's you, would you slip up your hand right now? When I say three, one, two, three, yes. Hands going up across this room. Yes, I need, I need a miracle today. There's five or six hands that went up across this room this morning. I know some of you online have a need today. Maybe you're here and you're saying, man, I, I need to stand in the gap for somebody. Would you come down here in just a moment? I need to stand in the gap for my mom or my dad. I need to stand in the gap for my friend. I need to stand in the gap for them. Several of you came to me before service today and said, Pastor, I've got this need and it was for a friend. Would you come down this morning as I call these this morning? Tish is going to sing the song that we sang earlier. I'm caught up in your presence. I just want to spend time at your feet. Come on, would you meet me at this altar this morning as she begins to sing this today and let me pray a prayer of faith. Come on, spend a little time at the feet of Jesus today and let God do a work in your life. Let him come at the scene of your life this morning. Come on, would you begin to come this day?
try to figure out how to do something for yourself before you go to God. You know? How many of you take Tylenol before you ask him to heal you? How many swipe the credit card before you ask for provision? We tend to try to do things ourselves. What if we prayed first? Just that simple shift. God, I'm asking you to heal me. I'm not saying, listen, I'm not one of those pastors that says don't, you know, don't take any medicine, don't trust the medical science. Listen, I believe God gives people wisdom. Like, you know, I do. I believe he gives people wisdom. Use wisdom. Use medical science. God, great, amazing doctors, great people. You don't go, you don't just go to your car and lay hands on it and say, God, would you heal my muffler? You take it down to Garrett or Joey and say, God, God's going to use them to heal my muffler. You, you take it to somebody. Wow. So I, I think sometimes we have to, we have to trust that way. But what I'm talking about is a mindset shift to say, God, you know, I'm, I'm going to do what I can, but I'm going to ask you, God, to do what only you can. And trust Him. Trust Him. Trust Him. Amen. Tonight, men, it's going to be awesome. Listen, Steve's standing at the door. He's going to ask every single one of you as you're coming out, are you coming tonight? We want you here. It's going to be good, good food, good fellowship, good time together. It's going to be awesome. So come and hang out with us tonight, 6 o'clock, and then we'll have you home at a decent hour, you know, probably by midnight or so. Uh, no, we'll, we'll have you home a lot earlier than that. But it's going to be a good good time uh, together uh, today. Let me pray a prayer blessing over you and your family. Two weeks from today is our is our church birthday. Uh, we will do hamburgers and hot dogs that day. It's going to be an awesome time where we all stay after service. And so, you know, uh, come and hang out with us there. Uh, we're, we're just celebrating what God has done the last 78 years of us being a, a church family uh, here in Sulphur Springs. And so it's just a way for us to, to remember what God has done in the past, uh, look to the future as well. And so we're excited about being uh, with the with each other that day. So see Sue and ask her if there's anything you can bring uh, and she, she'll help you out with that. Uh, so that's two weeks from today. Amen. God, I thank you today that you are in control. I pray for blessings on this congregation. As a whole, as a unit, Lord, we ask, we ask again, God, we want to be led by your spirit and we want you to order our steps. And Lord, we look, while we look to the future and, and the excitement of a new facility on the land that you've provided, Lord, we're 
we're also looking today and saying, God, we, we're excited about what's happening right now. And so we pray that week by week, day by day, you would order our steps. And God, I pray for this church, that you would bless them and keep them, that you would make your face shine down upon them and be gracious to them and give them peace. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. God bless you today.